if you can't articulate it seven times, seven ways to seven different audiences, it will not be understood or will not be done well. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Kevin, Chief of Staff and Operations Director in the Design Engineering Group at Intel Corporation. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure joining you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we'd love to hear the stories of you know, how someone got to this role. And you told me you're over 20 years at Intel. So I'm even more interested to kind of see the, you know, the progress there. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your background and, you know, what are you doing in your current role as well? Sure, sure. I'm happy to do that. So I, I did start at Intel in, in 99. I think the, the important piece in that is I actually worked outside of the industry, outside of Intel for, for five years before that. And one of the things I found is I I switched roles almost every year in companies almost every year for about five years before I landed at Intel. And one of the reasons why is I would be hired to do something. I was ultimately asked to do something. I said, oh, I'm kind of interested in going a different direction. And the answer repeatedly was, oh, well, no, we hired you to be, you know, to do this and, and stay in this space. And so my my interest in, in exploring things and not having to move my 401k ultimately got me to a job at Intel where I said, hey, I'll, I'll try something here. And I took a role in the sales and marketing group in, again, started in late 99 in their Folsom office. And at that time, the company was you know, just shy of 70,000 employees. And you know we're at 120,000 now. We were just shy of 30 billion in revenue. And now we're at just pushing under under 80 billion. So there's been a few a few changes, but I did start in the sales and marketing group and I came in as an inside sales rep and did a few different roles in there and ultimately wound up moving into my next role, which was in a finance field. So I was supporting the sales and marketing group from the finance side. The nice thing is I really had no financial background. I was not, you know, everyone says, oh, you, you had to have had a major in finance or something. No, I had an understanding of the, of the business. I had a good understanding of the sales side and they wanted me to support it. And they said, we'll teach you the financial piece. So there was the on-the-job learning, which, which everybody, you know, not everybody enjoys it. I always enjoy it. I'd rather, I'd rather go learn and be involved in a role than, than read a book on the role. I'd rather go and, and touch it and feel it and, and make the mistakes and have the learnings firsthand. And I did that in the finance role uh, for, for a couple of years. And then interestingly, I thought, well, there's some other opportunities outside and Intel was going through a downsizing at that time. So there's an opportunity for me to leave or for me to stay. And the, the story I've told a few times is I've had an opportunity. I was interviewing internally and I also signed a package to leave. And in my interview with the group in HR, at the end, they asked me a, a great HR question was, is there anything else we need to know before we're done with the interview? And I said, well, yeah, what, what you need to know is that I am actually meeting with the business HR group to exit in about an hour. So if I'm your guy, then I kind of have to know. And, and if not, I understand. I'm, 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 I'm good either way, but I just want to tell you so that if you try to call me at two o'clock, I'm, I'm gone and I won't, be, I won't be your guy or it'll be harder to get me back in. And at about 12.58, I got a phone call from my soon-to-be manager. She says, are you, are you still here? I said, yeah. So she's like, great. We want you to come over and work in the relocation group. I said, oh, okay, great. I'll, I'll, I'll go over there. So that was kind of nice and rewarding. And I said, oh, good. I'll go to HR and I'll be there for a little while. That was my thought. And that was in 2003. And I 
just left HR about a year ago. So I was in HR for, for an extensive amount of time. And I went in in the relocation group and I was still doing finances and the planning. And then I learned a lot about our uh, one-way real, one relocations and domestic relocations, international relocations, which led me into another operations role and a chief of staff role supporting a broader group of uh, the comp and Ben, the behind the scenes and our, our enterprise services group, as they were calling it. We changed names a lot on a regular basis, but it's still kind of the back office of HR which was great visibility to support a team in the learning and environment space, the learning inclusion space, as well as our back office support space. So great exposure led me to another job in an operations role where I got to run a global program, which was where it relied on everything that I had learned in the sales and marketing world, plus being able to balance things on the financial side, plus understanding and having a network of people I could rely on to tap into in order to make a program run at a global state. And ultimately that program sunset, like a lot of programs do uh, in, in large corporations. And I wound up in a true business HR role, which led me into the role I'm at now as an operations director, where I do have a team that's international. And we are, I say the, the quiet cog in the middle of a 3,700 person organization that keeps the operations running. So that's how I got to where I am today. Oh, that's, that's a very unique from sales and marketing to finance and then to the operation as at HR. This is this happens to be like pretty common for like an autodidact type of personality and then a multidisciplinary type of experience is 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 where a lot of sort of like leaders in operations come with, but then everyone has such a very different way in which they, they landed into it. You still though, like you said, had a, a big long sort of like stretch within the operations of the human resource department you know it was like 15 something years if i if i followed your your that's about your, right yeah <laughs> that's a very interesting unique perspective i think on on the space what do you think is the biggest things that are fundamentally different today than they were you know 2005 I mean, for us, and I have to think it's bigger than Intel, it's just the complexity of business. Uh, you know, we've, we've been, Intel's been global, a lot of global companies out there. So it's not like globalization's a new thing, but you know, globalization and, and, and the speed uh, and, and how quickly things need to get done and time to market, it feels like there's a shorter timeline for everything. And whether that is just you know, part of uh, maybe it's my perception. I don't think it is. I talked with <laughs> I talk with other folks. It's not just me. The pace isn't. It's not just the job I have or just Intel. My friends in other industries say, yeah, you know, things have just sped up. And whether that's due to the connectivity, whether that's amplified by by COVID as of late. You know, one of the things we found by having my tool, my laptop, as I sit here in my house, and being connected all day if I so choose. I have no reason to walk up stairwells. I have no reason to find a room. So you can you can go, you can go, you can go. And there was almost an expectation around you can get more done. Well there's a there's a penalty for for that. <laughs> and my wife reminds me. So like have you have you stood up yet today? I did before this, you know, but the the pace, the expectation and the fact that we're you know all we were all trapped for a while that behavior, I think, kind of became a new norm. So we're, we're trying to now that we're now that we've started to go back to the office, trying to break that a little bit. Like we've seen, hey, I told my team one of the things we've done is uh, is not mandate 
folks to come back. But I said, hey, I'm going to be in the office. I was in yesterday because my boss said, hey, if you're around, I'm going to be in tomorrow. I said, well, I have to go in. And so, yeah, let's meet. And then I told my team, hey, I'm going to be around. A couple more are going to be there. So it kind of forced us to, to get a new behavior in place. We kind of came to the conclusion yesterday that what used to be, we're almost doing the inverse of what we had. Before we had you would kind of get a few days to be at home, like on that Friday for, you know, take your kid to an event, but then, or a dentist appointment, or wherever it might be. And now it's kind of like, well, I'm going to kind of be home and then I'll have my targeted trip into the office and make sure that I have back-to-back meetings with people that are there. And then I probably won't see them in, for, in person for uh, another week or two or a month. So, you know, between the speed uh, just the environmental changes tied to, to the macro environment of, of the pandemic and the expectation that we can get more done in a week. It's, it's, it's heavier. It's a little heavier as of, uh, as of late. I can definitely relate. And I think, I think a lot of people can relate. It's, I think it was the drasticness of it was, was kind of mind blowing when we, you know, when we look back into it, just how quickly everything turned you know, from one way to another and then mm-hmm. and, and it was like okay is <laughs> everyone are just like okay with it and then i think now you're coming back i was just having this conversation uh a few days ago and you know you start to see some of the conferences that are live again right and they're like yeah with you know last time we were live was like 2018 or 2019 and you're like it's literally like a nostalgic feeling already. <laughs> it's like it and we, we we still feel like we're we're in it when we you know we're we're shooting this episode at like 2022, and it is mind mind boggling. But I think you talked about the behavior change, and I think this is maybe something I want to double click slightly further on. You know, I think there's interesting position to be when we think about operations. A lot of times we think about, you know, it's really about the people, the processes, and the way we we work. There's tools, there's, you know, there's like rules and there's like information we care about and results that we're, you know, trying to drive through. But at the end of the day, it's people that you're really trying to sort of like optimize their experience, optimize their output. And when you think about, again, those 15 years and things moving faster and in the last, you know, few years with COVID, uh, you really in the, sort of like in that interesting mix of under the jar department which uh, obviously are for the sort of like managing the, the the humans part of the business but then also the you know the operation of it was there any experience tr- through this you know last, last few years where you were actually thinking wow this is this is something that i've learned a lot from or i didn't expect to be as complicated or, you know, some of those, because I really think it's interesting, 2005, 2022 is really different, two different worlds in a way. The internet wasn't, you know, obviously there was internet, but like it, was, it just wasn't like every, like our life wasn't internet first, if you will. You know, a lot of those things. So there's a lot in there and I'll, 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 I'll touch on a couple of things you, you mentioned and the, the one that you, you mentioned the internet. And what's funny is I was kind of looking up to see. Uh, to refresh myself on, you know, what how, what was Intel in 1999? I put a brand new report and like right in the center of kind of our vision and mission and was really capitalizing on the internet. That was that was like in the center. Like aside from that, launching launching the last version of Pentium two and moving to Pentium three, and then <laughs> you know growth in the internet, right? And then you so 
99 is when we had it as a, hey, we think there's there's something here. And, you know, not long after that, and I'll get the year wrong, but when we came up with, and, you know, Intel came up with the, the, the Wi-Fi connection, right? Wow, you can you can connect this little device sitting in front of me, my my tool now, my laptop from somewhere. Don't mind the dial-up noise, which some folks on the line you know might say, "What what what is dial-up?" <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it'll make your your ears ring. But you know, we went from that and you know minimal bits crossing a network to what we've got going right here. You know, a full-on video conference. It's fascinating to me that Intel, who was at the center of connectivity, focusing on the internet, focusing on tools and the capabilities of enabling something like this to happen. How are we going to respond when this is the only way you can work? And this is a cultural piece. The perception, the old school perception of I must see my people in the office to work. I think in small companies, that's a real thing. I I, I don't know if it's evolved or not. I haven't been in a small company in 20 plus years. But I think that there's still even a mentality at large companies where I kind of want to see those that are in my space, in my office. I want, you know, we have desks in an area together still before COVID. You kind of want to see if your team's there. COVID forced us to break that mold entirely, right? And everyone who says, you know, we have now embraced virtual opportunities for people to, to work remotely. And at the core of the operations team, we, we determined, we had a choice. What do we want to do? Do we want to bring our team back in or what do we want to do? And we had a leadership conversation around this. And uh, my peers run multiple engineering groups across the organization as well. And the common thread was, and I won't throw any of them under the bus, but there was definitely a, a couple of schools of thought. One was, well, the offices are open. We better all go back. you know. And that's what we should expect. We should find a way to, to get everyone in there because we have a desk. We have a thing. We have a responsibility. I want to see my people. I have fairly young daughters. They just they graduated college about a year ago, and I've been very actively involved in uh, in helping them with their job search. And they were very adamant of applying for 100% remote jobs. I'm only going to do 100% remote. And so it was a fascinating conversation with staff because with, with our team because we said, hey, for our existing employee base, for the employee base of the future that we want. We better not say, I want to see you five days a week. And I think Apple made it an interesting pivot on that. The, you know, the news said Apple mandated everybody in, and then they said, wow, maybe that's not the best idea. I don't know if they've walked it back yet or not. We went down the road of do what is right for the employee first. If they've gotten the job done for the last couple of years you know, from their house, and that's what they want to do moving forward, and there's no compelling reason to bring them in other than for the face-to-face, and it's not a mandate. It's a, hey, we're going to do this as a team. It makes sense to collaborate. That's the methodology. That's the process. That's the culture that we want to bring forward. And it's inverted things a little bit. And not everyone's fully digested that yet. And not everyone's fully on board with it yet. There's still a little bit of uh, you know, quiet resistance. No one's blogging about it yet. But I've had a lot of conversations. Folks feel that oh, we're going to lose so much productivity. Hmm, are we? And you know, and show show me show me the number. Maybe we are. Maybe it's out there. Maybe I haven't seen the report. But for for our team and for operations. I have people in India, I have people in Malaysia, I have people in Arizona, I have people uh, in Israel. I've not met most of them in person, and we seem to be doing okay. So I think that's where operations can sit globally. We could sit anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. 
And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. You know, the specific moment that right now, again, June of 2022, that we're not yet fully know if there's a you know financial crisis that is coming up now. Yeah. It looks probable that that's what's, what's happening. But, you know, at the same time, I think that there's an interesting, I'm kind of curious because Intel is so big, you know, how, how you guys have looked at it, but there's definitely been a swing, a hard swing in the market, right? In the last few years. It's like from a place where, like you said, everything is five days a week in the office and that's the default to everyone has to do remote to a place where people, wait a second, do I even want to work here? You know, maybe I can resign and, and you know, I can get a job anywhere because everyone are hiring remote. And the pool of option, and I talked about it in the past multiple times, have moved from like a local market to a global market. And like you said, mm-hmm. Intel was always global, but most people were limited to, you know, what is the corporates that are in my town or in, you know, in, in a drivable zip code is where I'm going to apply to. And, 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 and obviously the, you know, the opposite for the corporation. So all of a sudden, you know, this opens up this crazy talent pool, a talent market that, you know, is just like went out of control. And now I don't know if that would survive, you know, a financial crisis with all of a sudden, you know, so like the question is, what is your prediction? Like assuming that there's going to be some up and ups and downs with, you know, a financial crisis, you know, and, and this is kind of where I think the Apple uh, or the Amazon, uh, was it Apple, Amazon? Uh, it was Apple that made the mandate. Apple, I'm yeah, sure Apple and then Tesla. And then the yeah, other Tesla folks. said, come in or we'll have a 10% yeah. reduction. And, so, <laughs> you know, and, and I think I think those comes from that financial, you know, crisis situation. It's like, okay, wait a second. You know, when we have, when everything is up and to the right, we have the luxury of being extra flexible. And then when things are hard, it's harder to be flexible. Out of those turbulence, a new reality always emerge. For sure. And so this is where I'm coming back to you. And you know, what do you think that that reality would be when that settle? Do you think we're uh, gonna see everyone working from everywhere? And as extreme as you know, you schedule with someone to meet in the office two weeks in advance because no one goes to the office, <laughs> or is it like someone uh, with something in between? Yeah, fantastic question. You know, I'd love to have that that crystal ball and the tea leaves because then I'd write the book and just cash out, right? Because that would be fantastic. But I'll give you I'll give you what I'm what I'm seeing, and and I'll give you a couple perspectives. So one, I mentioned I've got I got younger uh, younger daughters, young college grads who are a year into the workforce, right? And 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 that's the future. And I put them in that category because that's a population that we are looking to hire. We've got a population of baby boomers that I'm just behind, and we've got a population of of uh, of I think it's Gen Z. If I'm if I'm getting it right, I might have I might have all the dates wrong. But then that population that's coming up and the expectations between those two demographics are fairly different, right? For reasons we all understand, you grew up in a way, and the office was the office, and you had a typewriter, and things start that way, and you you get comfortable with that. And you talked about this this comfort thing. We were very uncomfortable when when COVID hit, right? It was my 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 normal path and my normal week had to entirely shift to we all joked when we left on uh, March 13th which was a Friday in in 2019 Friday the 13th you always think it's a bad day and we're like wow this is one I'll never forget because we said hey we need to go home we just were told to go home something's going on with this pandemic and so hey I'll see you I'll see you in 
I'll see you in April of 2022, right? <laughs> Who knew that? But the, the driver on this is you've got a, a workforce that is going to demand and expect something different than the workforce that's currently here. And they have a voice. They're, they're larger. They're needed. There's, uh, as you mentioned, a great resignation that happened. Someone's got to backfill that. And that voice and that population is going to heavily influence what I think our final answer is. The nice thing is, uh, you know, COVID, the, one of the silver linings, proved that you can work remotely if you've got the, the tool in front of you. You know, our fab stayed open because you had to be at the tool in the fab. Everyone else who had a laptop was at home. We somehow managed to work through that. Managers had two years, even if they were in that population of feeling like I need to have my team there. Well, you saw that it ran for two years. So you've kind of got some proof points that are fresh in your mind. So when you have a choice to hire somebody who says, hey, I'll gladly work for you, but I want to stay in Ohio or I want to stay in you know, somewhere where we don't currently have a facility, you've got a choice now. Before, we didn't have a choice as a manager. You could say, oh, now I need you, I need you in California. We can maybe work something out, but you need to be here. Now, if you find the right talent and you said it, wherever they're at, we have the opportunity to say, you know, I, I want her. The time zone is going to work out fine. She's worked different time zones before, or hey, we're one time zone away or the same time zone. Good enough. Said I can see her in the office every couple of months when we do our team gathering. I'm going to learn how to live with that, or I'm going to learn how to embrace that. And that'll be the game changer. The ones that are, the managers that embrace this, then the talent falls wide open. The ones that kind of live with it, I don't know if they're going to have the same success. It's a competitive advantage. It's, to know how to leverage this. And it's the employee's market, right? It's like they get to decide, as they say, like the housing market, it's been a it's been a buyer's nightmare for a while and a seller's dream, right? It's the employees kind of have the the edge now. We're you know, we're understaffed. Most companies are a little bit understaffed, even if the macro environment shifts a little bit. We still, you know, we'd still like to have more talent. There's no question. I don't know any any company right now that's saying, no, no. Plenty of, plenty of talent. We don't need anybody else. I haven't seen that that sign out there yet. So what are we willing to do? What are we willing to bend in order to get that talent? Flexibility has become really a priority and it's on the table for negotiation now versus before it was a, nope, can't, can't offer that. So you have to go somewhere else. You talked about flexibility for the employees. Let's talk about flexibility of the operation itself. Mm. Now, when you you know, build processes or like, what is the, you know, the, the way to do things and then things change drastically, you know, there's, there's a lot of adaptation and, and flexibility that is required. What is, what did you guys do different or you believe you will do differently going forward? You know, knowing that those type of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of names for, you know, an event that you're not expected, like a black swan, you know, like what, what would you do? you know, differently to basically allow yourself to be more flexible in the type of, you know, uh, infrastructure and, and processes that you guys are building. Yeah. So you said the key thing in there, and, and I'm going to start with my answer is really the people on my team are the difference, right? So process systems and tools, there's a million of them out there. I've yet to find the, the tool that was built to exactly align to the process or the work that needs to get done. I mean, we every every single call I have till till our call today was tied to something where we were trying to work something through a system or or a a guideline or a policy that we're supposed to adhere to. And you know, there's a lot of people get hung up on guidelines versus policies, right? Adding a level of logic 
add in a level of understanding and be able to work through tools that are fixed. The people on my team, that is what I call, that's the fundamental skill they have to have is, is understanding what's within our, I always say what's within our control, what's out of our control. You know, I've had some people on my team come and say, Hey, we're going to redo the entire staffing process. This is why this isn't working. I'm like, not, that's not our, not our part of the house. So we get to remodel the bathroom, right? <laughs> we don't get to do the house. So let's make this part as, as, as good as it can be that we control um, to the point where actually we, we have some of our people involved heavily in staffing right now because staffing has been, it's been a challenge. There's been for everything you talked about, you know, we're, we're not immune to that. So we've gotten really, really good at understanding the staffing process and operations out of need. And the, the people that I have working on it are the kind of flexible people who can say, you know, logic first, help me understand the simple, the simple question. And if there's a reason for it, great, is it a policy or a guideline? And then, and why is it there in the first place? So if we can kind of, if all those answers make sense, then yeah, we're going to follow that. If not, maybe we can help influence a change. So that's the, you know, the, the kind of the gist of what operations does is you apply that to any particular challenge or problem, hiring, headcount, staff movement, whatever it might be. That's the methodology. And then how we go about it, I always talk to my team about this is it's, you know, we're here to help, right? We're, you know, a lot of people think, oh, operations, you guys are just holding the line. You're just preventing me from getting work done. You're the, you're the barrier. You're, 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 you're worse than finance. And I always laugh because I was in finance. Oh, you're worse than HR. I was in HR. So I always take those as like, you know, I, I hear you. I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you mean. But my, my, my key thing on this is if we can work with you on this, if you can help me understand, I know I can help solve your problem. And that's what the team's you know, goal is to do that as quickly and, and silently as possible. That's another interesting point where it's like, uh, you talked about your daughter as the next generation and you talked about like the secret sauce for the future of, you know, how is the, what is a modern operation, you know, in businesses is about the people. And you just threw a, an interesting word there, which is doing it silently. What is it that makes a good operation person? What, who's the kind of people that are the actual hidden talent and maybe doesn't even know how valuable and impactful they can be in in those roles that you know maybe when they go to school or or finishing school they should actually consider you know applying for operation roles um, because actually you know they hear it and be like that you know Kevin is just describing my me right now so like what would be you know like what would be your profile for like someone that's really going to you know make a dent in your team and, and just be like really good you know, one thing I'll, I'll say, and then I'll kind of get into the, the the characteristics. The you know, my team knows this. We always say we're the um, we're kind of like the uh, an electric company or utilities company, right? Our joke is this: you know, nobody comes into their house at night and, and you know turns on their lights and you know, runs their heater, their air conditioning, and then they call up you know the electric company and say, "Hey, thank you, thanks for having the electricity <laughs> on. This is this is great. You it's wonderful. I have lights today. Hey, thanks for having the heating working. You know, thanks for the gas lines." No, that's not how that works. I always joke we're in that category. Having you know, headcount clean, having the budget dialed in, having an understanding of what we need in the way of a roadmap and resources to deliver on compute and you know, understanding what recs we can and can't open. So having all of this dialed in quietly so that the managers don't have to say, ah, that number looks wrong. I, no, no, no. I know I have 15 in that group. So the high level understanding of being being able to look at the business, look at data, large amounts of data, 
you know, process it, memorize it, understand it so that you can articulate what that group's profile is. And by profile, I mean, you know, where do they sit? What do they do? What do they need? And if something's breaking somewhere, how that has an upstream or a downstream impact that will ultimately impact what we're trying to do is keep, you know, our roadmap on track and, and make money. That's that's kind of what we do. You want to make sure that that we're on track. If not, if you're behind, you're behind on on market, you're behind on product, you're behind on on money. So having all of those items lined up, it should be quiet and seamless. So if you are good at looking at complex data and understanding how it fits together, if you're good at fixing things quietly and not expecting that everything you do gives you a round of applause and a microphone and a stage. It's like, nope, this is just what you do. You you keep things running smoothly. If you're good at saying, you know what, that process is completely broken. I see it with fresh eyes. I see there's 19 steps in it. I think we can do it in six and we still stay within policy and guidelines and compliant and it's going to save X amount of time. So if efficiency is something that you're good at and you see problem solving that is real time and dynamic. And you can articulate that because this is one of the things that that, that a lot of folks can't do for, for, for whatever reason. They get very hung up in the weeds and the details that they can't bring the story up. And truth be told, way back when, my major is in communications and Spanish. Communications and Spanish. How does that fit into Intel in any way, shape, or form? So everyone's like, this, this makes no sense. Every job I've had is heavily, heavily relied on communications. One thing I've always been able to do is look at the picture, explain it in a way that's at the right level so management can take action. If you can't articulate what needs to be done, it will not be done, period. If you can't articulate it seven times, seven ways to seven different audiences, it will not be understood or will not be done well across the organization. So if you have a good understanding, the ability to articulate, the ability to troubleshoot, the ability to problem solve, and a thirst to like always look for what could be better, Sign up for an operations role. I love it. I always thought about operations as almost like this invisible layer mm-hmm. that actually makes things move. And I think that sits really, really nicely with with your concept of silently and quietly. And then that communication, seven ways for seven different people. This is really sort of like where you're becoming that fabric. It helps bring that thing to life. And I think there's a lot of people that loves problem solving, but maybe they didn't go to engineering school, or maybe they didn't go to this or that, and inherently have that sort of like maker mentality to go and solve problems and understand them. I think that's a great insight. And I think that's a great uh, place for us to wrap up. And I want to thank you again for the time. If anyone wants to reach out to you or stay in touch, is there any preferred LinkedIn or Twitter or anything like that? I have an active LinkedIn account and everything else. I have uh, uh, nothing else that exciting as far as connections on <laughs> uh, on social media. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm just. I'm just LinkedIn and Facebook. If you if you're in the in the greater Sacramento area and you want to meet in person, that one's totally fine too. So either <laughs> either of those two. <laughs> thank you so much again for the time. That was great, and thank you for talking to me today. No, my pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time and uh, look forward to hearing if folks have feedback or input. Because again, one of the things we're always learning. So if I missed something, gloss something over, or someone has a very different opinion on it, I, I am, that's where I learn. That's exactly what I want to see. Thank you so much, Kevin. Wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-T. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 